Greetings, Vault Hunters, and welcome to Echoes from the Borderlands, the podcast where we explore the iconic Borderlands franchise through conversations with the writers, devs, artists, and others who are responsible for its creation and success. We all know Borderlands helped define the looter-shooter genre, but where would the loot be if not for the shooting? If you don't shoot your guns, you can't have any loot. How can you have any loot if you don't shoot your guns? So we're taking a side quest from our main mission and talking about the guns of Borderlands. I'm your host, Joel Watson, and I'm joined by lead weapons artist, Asia Hawkins, art director, Jimmy Barnett, and lead VFX artist, Ash Lyons. Welcome. Hello. Hi, everybody. Hello. Hello. Thanks for being here. Thanks. Borderlands is unique among shooters in that it uses a procedurally generated system to generate weapons. Borderlands 1 boasted over a million possible weapons, 2 over 2.7 million, the pre-sequel over 16 million, and Borderlands 3 offers players over 1 billion guns. Is the variety of weapons in Borderlands just a number that keeps getting bigger, or does it meaningfully impact gameplay? Ooh, yeah, a couple interesting things to touch on there. Uh, one, those numbers are a little bit low. Uh, BL2, oh, BL2 was 15-ish million. BL3 was 64.4 billion-ish, give or take, once you uh, took all the, the variations into account, so. Anoint, anointments <laughs> made a huge difference. Yeah, I know that. Yeah. yeah. Well, the thing with that system is is the additive kind of design. You add one part and one part, and it starts slowly. But by the time you're piling on, um, you know, one little change can add an additional, you know, million, two million iterations uh, pretty easily. So it compounds. Um, but and I mean, and the internet's wrong. That's great because I got those numbers from the internet. And yeah, just, yeah. You want to prove it wrong when you can. <laughs> For sure. How does it how does it impact gameplay other than making it uh, more difficult for uh, combinations each time you know something new is added? Like how do you, a, a, as a player, how do you experience? Would you say sixty four billion guns? <laughs> at the time, we had a like somebody had a, like a statistic like a player would have to look at a gun like every three seconds for. 84 years to actually, you know, it was something like that. I got the numbers way off, but the short answer is you don't, you don't actually experience um, uh, each of the guns individually. That's the chase of it all. Yeah. That's yeah. why you replay the game multiple times. We've mm -hmm. had uh, a comment come up several times during this podcast that there is a Vegas factor to, to the Borderlands gun system, which is uh, what might I get if I keep playing? If I keep pulling the slot machine, Absolutely. you know, what's going to come out? Um, how does that factor in to design? Mm -hmm. do, do you think about, it's not no one's ever gonna play this gun. It, you, and now you don't, let me, let, me, let me ask that question. You don't design a full gun, right? You design bits and pieces? Yeah, um, I mean, design is separate from art, I guess. Um, we just make sure that all the art fits together and then design kind of adds stats to those parts. And um, yeah, you get a different gameplay experience with each gun that you roll, mm -hmm. so. So talking about design, does a weapon design start with like a director mandate, a VFX goal, or just a sketch? How, what, is, what is that process? Um, that's a good question. Design and uh, art are very uh, connected through a lot of this process. And, and to backtrack just a little bit, um, there was a, a core change to how we built the system from uh, BL2 to BL3. Um, BL2 was a little more uh, cross-manufacturer, the bits and pieces you're talking about, like it could be a stock from uh, Hyperion, a body from, you know, Jacobs, and, and so on. We, were, we weren't able to make as many parts, and the system was a little more limited because of memory and performance constraints. But um, uh, in BL3, you know, we kind of took it back to the, the studs and, and thought about how we could elevate that, um, where we could push and pull and, and get more out of the system. And selfishly, like from an art perspective, we wanted to really up the, the quality of the art, the how the gestalts work together, um, and how we got as much variation as possible at a high quality level. So um, in that service, you know, BL2 had around 250-ish weapon parts that serviced the entire weapon churn. Um, we did 1,250 weapon parts for BL3. Um, These numbers keep getting bigger. It doesn't, oh. <laughs> doesn't matter what angle we come at it from. Actually, Asia and I have talked about this. For the future, <laughs> um, I think we're going to be looking to uh, condense and optimize and focus a little more. Um, you know, there's kind of a, a, I don't think I can say the term on this podcast, but uh, an old art director of mine had a term for it when you're so focused on the technical, you kind of lose sight of, of what it's for. It's the stop thinking about if you you should, because you're too worried about if you could, um, yeah. to quote some Jurassic Park there. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think we've reached a critical mass of, of that system and, and delivering 
like we talked about earlier, no one's asking. No one's asking for a trillion matter. guns. Yeah, nobody cares. Yeah, nobody yeah, yeah. wants them. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, they, well, they they want them, but they don't need that many to to get the same experience as a player. So, I mean, you know, some some future Borderlands game, uh, were there ever to be one, could have six guns and <laughs> just pull pull it all the way back. Yeah. Nah, we might get in a little bit of trouble for just six, but yeah, yeah. Maybe we, a mobile game that you play on the to, toilet. Yeah. yeah, we need to trim a little bit for sure. <laughs> um, with weapon design, both from from the look and feel to really every other aspect of it, does form come first or does function come first? Uh, yeah, I mean, our manufacturers are a big uh, part of that. We've spent a lot of years um, really leaning into uh, our, our weapon manufacturers being Jacobs, Hyperion, Maliwan, for some of the classics that have been around forever. Um, you know, and that all kind of started with uh, Borderlands 1, even before my time. Um, you know, we established these manufacturers and then, all right, cool, what's their identity? And, you know, with art, it's always about like your um, kind of your your design Bible, your big reads, your themes. Um, and we really drilled into each one. It was like, what's the major read, secondary, tertiary? And then we, we figured out those Bibles for each of the manufacturers. So... The, the goal is that on the on the first take, you're like, I know exactly what that is. That looks like Jacobs. It's kind of cowboy. It has a, you know some of these design aesthetics. Cool. I know exactly what that is uh, just by looking at it. Um, you know, to varying degrees of success. I think as the games have gone on, it's gotten better. Um, but it's kind of a, an endless challenge um, when you're working in a modular system like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I would say like <clears throat> function. Uh our idealized function comes first and then mm -hmm. form and then what we can get away with with function like yeah. it, it so all there's starts a tiered with idealism system. it's 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 <laughs> it's accomplish the the have tos I'm not and then sure get it's to the want tos yeah, yeah. It, it, i'm not sure it's intentional as much as it is like it naturally happens like we're like we would love if this would work in this way and then we do the art and concept does their thing and then uh, we circle back to it and say okay what's well, actually feasible yeah. you know what I know that we're talking about things like design, but to an audience that is not deeply involved in this industry, how is what you do different than what they may assume design is? Are you are you sketching? Are you That's a good question. And that's a <laughs> distinction I've wanted to make like widespread for a long time. Let's, like oh my God. There are you have a so platform, many let's people, do it. Yeah. <laughs> there's so many people involved in like making a gun from start to finish. And um specifically like my team, our team, art um is the step, it's like the third step. It's like design, concept, and then art. And we're kind of simultaneously involved with all that stuff. But um, yeah, there is a step-by-step -step process and there are so many people involved. So we're not designers per se. Um, the de designers are designers and then concept artists are concept artists. And then we are executing on a vision. It is. It sounds infinitely more complicated than maybe anybody would assume. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Is yeah. that born out <laughs> it, of hard one experience or or is that just the process the industry uses uh oh yeah i think you know i think borderlands guns in particular are very unique um i haven't met a lot of people seen a lot of teams you know experienced a lot of games where they have dug into the level um uh, that we have on these in particular not that they're not doing really cool technical things but this is very you know unique and it's specific for Borderlands. sure yeah yeah um and it, it it's it's an iterative you know, snowball that started with BL1. You know, BL1 figured out, okay, cool, we can kind of do this Lego thing mm -hmm. and then had a first iteration of that. And then when we made the second one, right, all right, cool, we got the Lego thing figured out. What do we do next? Like, all right, cool, let's let's get a little bit better about the fidelity. Let's get a little bit better about the design language. Um, but the distinction you're talking about, like, there's like a visual design versus a system design. It's like the guy that writes down a paper, like, I want it to bounce around and explode and then legs come out and then it runs after people. Right. You know, we've got some fun stories from the weapons room on BL3 where, uh, where some of those ideas came out. But then our half of it is a little more of the visuals, like, all right, cool, you want legs, you want it to bounce around, it needs to explode. Like, all right, cool, let's take these to the draw, literally the drawing board and uh, figure out how we can get those things going and still be kind of true to the manufacturer that it's involved in, how it needs to function. What What's the, the weapon archetype? Is it pistol, shotgun, SMG? You know, what footprint do we have to kind of uh, deliver on that um, that design goal? Ash, in this process uh, that we're, we're trying to define, but it's almost undefinable, when does VFX come into play? Uh, VFX is pretty much right before audio when it comes to like the uh, game development ladder. So we're like last. Dead last. <laughs> yeah, it's like us than audio. So you receive a, a fully functional functional asset, and then uh, 
what what kind of instructions are you given? This is uh, an explosive weapon. This is a shock weapon. This is yeah, pretty much. <laughs> like we'll get uh, a the I guess like the 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 design will say okay, this weapon is a, an ice flamethrower. So now we need to say, okay, what does that look like? <laughs> right. You know, and then um, essentially at that point, the, the weapon will be maybe 90, 80, 85, 90% finished. And then we're just adding the effects to it to make it look fun. Make it, you'll make it uh, just an interesting thing to use. Is it safe to say, this is an assumption, is it safe to say that, that what you add to it is mostly fun because the function's already there? Yes. Uh, essentially, once, once the weapon comes to us, it's, it's working. You know, you yeah. can, it's pew pew. <laughs> it's a uh, it, it it you you pull the trigger, bullet comes out and it hits the enemy. I would I would give yourself a bit more credit than that. I think um, there's a lot of things we strive for that are first read for the player. Um, be it uh, you know what kind of ammunition is it, what element is it, oh, yeah. Um, you know what mode is is the gun in? Because in BL3 we introduced like mode switching as a as a functionality. Um, and our whole goal is to make it as easy for the player to understand what's going on as possible so they can just shoot and have fun. Um, and effects are quite, you know, important to that, uh, to that kind of final presentation. You know, even like it's even as simple as like your muzzle flash is, is green, so you know it's a corrosive gun. Like you, right. you pull it out quickly, you're shooting like, oh yeah, this is my corrosive. I don't have to dig into the menu, I don't have to go to the item card. Like I, You, you know. would be asking a lot of the player if yeah. you were like, hang on, stop. Yeah. Read yeah. a whole chart, read an item card about, okay, now you can play again. Yeah, yeah, pretty much all art exists around like show, don't tell. We try to, right. to, to do as much as we can to, you know, to be true to those, um, that functionality. Do, uh, do you find you're able to add VFX in a way that's unexpected and, and ups that fun factor? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, Jimmy was a lot better at, at articulating what, <laughs> what, I, what I was thinking of. But no, like, yeah, um, like like I said, once once the, the weapon will come to us, it's, you know, we, you um, we're, we're, we're playing within the game and just, you know, pulling the trigger and firing. And then we're saying, okay, how can we make this thing exciting to use? Like, what can we, what can we add to this to make it like fun to play? Even if it's just a, your first pistol. What's your go-to for this needs to be more fun. This needs to be crazier. Is there, is there, uh, is it particle effects? Is it the thing, is it the reaction of the, the enemy that you're shooting? Is it the way it like shows, uh, Lighting, you know, against the player or whatever. Like, what, what, what is going to get you over that hump of this is a basic gun to like this is cool? Um, uh, a lot of the times, I would say it's uh, kind of a, a combination factor of um, how what's the muzzle flash look like? Are there any uh, are, are there any primary or secondary effects on the actual gun when you when you when, when you pull it out or like when you do when you do the um, the reload? What, what happens in the reload? Is the reload fun? That's a big Can one. Can we add some cool effects to that? Yeah. Uh, what's it look like when it actually, when the bullet hits the player? Like, what happens with that? Like, is there a giant blood blood splatter that comes out? Is there a small one? To what Jimmy was saying, other, again, other people making shooters are doing great work, but this approach is unique. And I don't, am I, I feel like I'm not wrong in saying I haven't seen it anywhere else. Yeah, a lot of our closest competitors, they do mess with the modular systems, but it's a lot more targeted. It's more focused, and they kind of use it as a progression system. It's I like, see. Cool, I've got my base gun. Um, I've killed this boss or looted this thing, and now I have this extra scope that I can put on. Right, or okay. This, or this suppressor or something on the muzzle. Um, so so the intent is there, and, and the systems of the modularity are there. I, I think back to the first time that I was aware of uh, weapon design in a game and when it made a difference to how I experienced the game, what I thought of the gameplay. Uh, and for me, it was Earthworm Jim on the Sega Genesis. Uh, your simple Spaceman pistol mm -hmm. had an unbelievable reaction, sound and visual, muzzle flash that lit up the whole screen and the character. The sound was way too big for how tiny of a yeah. gun it was. And it was, and it it's, um, it's Sega Genesis recoil, if you could call it that. Uh, it just made it wild. And I remember thinking, that's fun. Do each of you have anything like that where uh, you said, um, someone has gone above and beyond here, and that makes me interested in this uh, as a career or even as a discipline? Or anything that's happened since you've been in this career that you've gone, oh, man, that's that's good weapon design or that's fun? Yeah. Um Borderlands, like, <laughs> like I'm not even kidding. I'm not. Yeah, like Borderlands was. Are the, the first corporate game people in the back appeased? Okay, cool, cool, cool. You keep going. They're not. Yeah, Borderlands, the first one. Um, when I played it, I think in high school, 
uh, was when I felt that way. And that's oh, not just, just turn to, me to ash, not ash, <laughs> but <laughs> dust. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. So Borderlands and then really I just like first person shooters and, you know, Titanfall um, definitely got me really like amped to kind of keep going in this industry because I was already in it at that point. But it just really inspired me, you know? Yeah. yeah. The reiterate uh, Titanfall as well. That's yeah. The, and Borderlands. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. We didn't yeah. rehearse, guys. I uh, swear. Uh, well, I'm not going to say Borderlands. Uh, I actually didn't play Borderlands <laughs> before I worked here. Um, funny enough, my gaming taste has always been well outside kind of the shooter um, genre. Like Mist was a big reason oh, yeah. that I got into 3D art and trying to replicate that it was unsuccessfully, you know, early on. Um, Pre-YouTube days where you could, you know, learn how to do stuff uh, at the click of a mouse. I had a, I had a buddy. Uh, I, I'm a musician and I, I have been since I was a little kid and I had a buddy call me over because he was tone deaf and he was like, I'm not going to beat this missed level mm -hmm. if I can't match tones. Yep. And so I got on my bike and <laughs> rode over to his house and I was like, we got a mission. We got a missed mission. Um, it does. It changes how you, I think it changes what you think is possible in the medium when you see someone do something unique. Yeah, there's always those um, like Halo, not literally Halo, but those Halo projects, the ones that push things forward. Um, Halo is one of those, it. probably. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, at the, yeah, at the time, as far as the kind of competitive shooting, for sure. I mean, in high school, we definitely tried to land up the Xbox. I sat on a floor with four chili. Xboxes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We yeah, did that absolutely. Too. Um, but there's always, every generation kind of has that one game that you're, is like that wow moment, like, oh, shit. Okay, that's the next thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I remember having that um, experience, you know, kind of like, again, playing a game like Myst, and it got me interested in. 3D, even though it kind of cheated, it wasn't actually 3D, but but it kind of unlocked that door for me. Um, and then I got into engineering, and maybe unsurprisingly, I got into like engineering, CAD. I wanted to be an automotive designer or like an industrial designer, um, but kind of found myself on a roundabout path to to games. This does seem like one of the possible endpoints of I want to be an automotive designer. I want to design airplanes. I wanted that kind of art really carries over into mm -hmm. weapons design, especially sci-fi weapons design, I think. Um, Borderlands itself has rules for its look and feel, um, established uh, you know, with the first game. Do those rules impose limitations on design or do they give you the lanes to work in? Quite the opposite <laughs> in my experience. Yeah, it does not, it gives too much uh, possibility, <laughs> to be honest. Jimmy can speak more to that, I think. Yeah. And Ash could too. Like we take these to the uh, wildest degree. We, I think we just need to pull back sometimes even. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah uh, coming back to some of those manufacturer design mm -hmm. um, guides or, or Bibles that we make, um, you, like you mentioned, you know, aeronautical, you know, uh, cars, like we kind of, some of these themes are injected into these manufacturers. We, we try to keep the, the top level ideas lean, but as soon as we have that direction, then we just run as far as we can right. uh, that way. Um, and, and like Asia was saying, like there's a, quite a lot of freedom. Like we have to be the ones that say, okay, cool. This is outside of, of scope. This is somehow too over the top. Um, we really need to rein it in or, or push more here. Uh, Do you kinda... find a push and pull between breaking the rules and maintaining that status quo? I don't know. <laughs> it sounds like you have such a wide berth of options yeah. that, like I was just saying, you got to rein it in. If those... Uh, if those rules aren't viewed as restrictions, but rather sort of a design, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A style sheet, almost. Mm -hmm. um, does it get your brain going in that direction? Do you think, oh man, like for instance, you're out in the world and you're like, that's a Borderlands gun. Like that thing, however somebody painted their van <laughs> or whatever, is like, that could be a Borderlands gun. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely inspiration. Um, pulled from all sorts of sources, as you might imagine, when you're trying to to design something with this much, you know, breadth, this many options. Uh, yeah, we pull inspiration from everywhere. Yeah, we have like chats where we kind of share um, just videos or, or pictures, of, you know, crazy things we see. And we're like, mm -hmm. how can we incorporate this maybe? And <laughs> yeah, we have to rein it in. <laughs> Is there anything like, um, I know a big thing on Sci-fi TV, especially in the 90s, was like, take a KitchenAid mixer, turn it upside down, spray paint it white. That is a thing in the medical, you know, bay. Um, is there, have we have we snuck uh, appliances, cars, <laughs> planes into our weapon design over the years? A hundred percent. There's this, uh, a term called kit bashing. Uh, it's this whole idea that you take a set of, of things 
and you mash them together till there's something else. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Borderlands One did quite a lot of that, even Borderlands Two. Um, so we we don't quite for the guns we don't quite just take random stuff and shove it together, but we still have that spirit, um, that kind of mentality of of functionality. Like, all right, cool. You know, does this kind of fit the design language? Can this be a recognizable thing from the the real world or real world adjacent? And can we work that into the design and kind of you know encompass it into the the function of the gun? Yeah, we we do that all the time. Um, the Torg for BL3 had like V8 engines in the right. barrels and like radial you know airplane motors and yeah we, we reference the rear world all the time. And then you know what's that twenty percent twist or that twenty percent exaggeration that puts it over the top? Is it is it a an exaggeration, or are you also trying to hide it? Like, I don't want anyone to think this looks like a V8. Or do you want them to go, no, I recognize that as a V8 engine? No, we, we want the recognizability. That's a little bit of the charm of um, of Borderlands, in my opinion, is uh, that relatability to terrestrial, real-world kind of, of look and feel. Like, you want to see that kind of at the core of it. And then, like I said, that 20 30% manipulation twist um, is what kind of sells it as a, as a fantastical you know, Borderlands asset. A lot of sci-fi media especially will either reuse designs or, I mean, for instance, uh, the plasma rifles from Aliens show up in like a dozen movies. Um, something you said earlier was there. there's more intent mm -hmm. to the way Borderlands weapons are designed. Do you feel like there is a tendency to be like any old sci-fi thing will work? Just, just throw in a gray, a, a painted Nerf gun, if you will, um, versus really having a, a, a multidisciplinary team uh, focused on it. I think a lot of times for, at least when we're doing the effects for these, uh, for guns, um, most of the time we're just pulling stuff from like cartoons. Right. <laughs> like lots of anime and things like that. That's interesting. So like an explosion, an effect, a way that light was rendered or a way that flame was rendered that you see in animation or do you, do you pull from uh, sci-fi movies, from superhero movies, from? Um, just me personally, uh, during the development of uh, BL3, I was, I was pulling a lot of from uh, Voltron, honestly. Wow. <laughs> and we don't have any guns that come together to form like a super gun that walks around yet. Well, no, they don't, they yet. don't combine, but they do walk around. That's true. <laughs> We're almost there. We're so close. Yeah. Um, uh, how do you ensure through this design process that all individual design elements work together? Like at what point are you making an effect that somehow breaks a gun or are you designing something that somehow, like do you have to check in constantly with everybody else to make sure you're not ruining some other aspect That's of it? That's a good question because it's a can of worms. It's it, like you have to have the roadmap down in order to proceed with it. Like you can't really deviate once you start. You can deviate on certain things. Like I'd say small artistic changes, that's where we can deviate sometimes, but even that has like a domino effect on other parts. So like right. you change one part and then it might not fit with another part that it may have to fit with for that five billionth variation. <laughs> like, <laughs> so Absolutely. yeah, it's a, it's a balance, but we try to have a good plan beforehand. Yeah, it, uh, it lives and dies by process. Um, it's very not sexy to talk about, but right. all of this is spreadsheets. It's a regimented, you know, down to the weeks that this takes, then this goes to this department, and these are the sign-offs where, you know, you know, the proxy phase, all right, cool, this is your last chance to change anything, and then it's going to go into this phase that takes, you know, six months, and when it's done with that, it's un not changeable. We can't change anything anymore. So, and it's all uh, cascaded, you know, kind of waterfalled, down these big like Gantt charts of we start here and then hopefully in three years we're here um, and we just kind of cross yeah. our fingers a little yeah, bit. Yeah, by the time, <laughs> I mean, by the time something gets to gets to my department, it's set in stone. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's not going to change. And if it does, yeah. then we've like lost. You've done something months. wrong. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There are sometimes that we do consult with effects before. Like sometimes we see some crazy call outs in concept effects and like I check in with Ash and I'm like hey uh, will this work do you need anything from us like on the mesh side to you know on the art side just to do this to execute to make it this? possible yeah. yeah so usually Ash is just always like yeah we can do that it's fine <laughs> yeah you'd be amazed how many times we think we've gone too far we're like oh man I don't know audio or animation's <laughs> definitely gonna say no and then we'll hit him up like hey what do you think about this like yeah you could probably go further with it I'm like okay cool <laughs> Hey, Vault Hunters, listen, I got an email from your teacher today. 
She said you've been a distraction in class lately and that you're causing mayhem? She also said you've been speaking in quippy dialogue? I told her that's not the Vault Hunter I raised. Needless to say, we're concerned. I'm worried that you're not playing enough violent video games. You know that's how you get this stuff out of your system, right? So I went ahead and got you the Borderlands Collection, Pandora's Box. It's a bundle that contains every Borderlands game to date for one great price. And it's available now on Xbox, PlayStation, and PC. This way you can be a weird, annoying little doofus and cause all the mayhem you want without disrupting fractions or whatever dumb bullshit they teach you in your school. Now go wash up. Your mom made Red Bull and Buell's for dinner. It's your favorite. In that spirit of what can we get away with, which I feel like maybe runs through all of your departments, mm -hmm. um, what are some examples of what you've gotten away with? Oh my goodness. Guns with legs comes to mind. I got one. Uh, this doesn't necessarily pertain, or pertain to like guns, but um, so, and some people on, online have actually caught this, but uh, in one of our explosions, in one of our uh, electrical explosions, we, we put the word um, zap. Mm -hmm. like it was a Simpsons joke that we were like within our department and just like, you know, when, like one of the characters was like, zap, he was doing that. <laughs> yeah. So we put that in uh, one of our explosions that happens like one every 200 sometimes. Like it just randomly happens and uh, someone actually caught it out. So someone <laughs> thinks they see it. They yeah. try to convince <laughs> other people and like, that doesn't happen. I'm playing it right now and it doesn't happen. I'm not crazy. Mm -hmm. It said zap. I love those little Easter eggs. I didn't know that. That's yeah, cool. It's, I, we, it's like I said, it was just something like within our department. We just like do it, we thought it was funny, and it, we still think it's funny. <laughs> I, I feel like Guns with Legs is one of those yeah. where like, how did that come about? Um, it's a fun story. Uh, everybody, I remember the the day we announced BL3, and we kind of featured uh, Leggy Boy as we referred to <laughs> Leggy him Boy. in the uh, in the trailer, and everybody went wild. Um, <laughs> it, the, the inception was quite kind of. You know, we spun our chairs around and we're like, uh, you know, I think our, our, our lead designer, um, Jet Surratt, was like, I got this idea. I think I want to do guns with legs. And I was sitting there with him <laughs> and uh, the concept artist. And we were the ones that like, nah, no, nah, we're not going to do that. That's too much. Um, but, you know, we, we kind of talked it through. We all right. Well, at least, at least let's take it to prototype and then see, you know, if, if animation's cool with it. If audio, you know, if all the supporting departments uh, uh, are pumped about it, um, you know, we'll we'll see. Um, so yeah, we, we put it into prototype and it was a big hit as, you know, obviously, um, was the intent always for them to run around? Yeah. 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 We set out with the idea that, um, yeah, we'll give them little, little legs and they'll run around like chickens. Um, That's hilarious. it's just, it's that ridiculous. And it was that simple to, to get off the ground. But yeah, then once again, it, it gets churned up in the big machine of process. And so we put it into <laughs> prototype and, and, you know, tried it out. We saw it working. We're like, All Were right, there any naysayers about Leggy Boy? Did you have to convince anybody that Leggy Boy deserved to live? If Kevin Duke watches this, he was the lead concept artist on that. He was adamantly against it for a long time. <laughs> I had to tell him, like, dude, just draw it. All right, just draw it. I'll Let model it, it happen. We'll see. You know, it's probably not going to work. You won't have to worry about it. Um, you know, cut to a month later, and he's just <laughs> drawing legs, just, like, looking at me. <laughs> you got to put a leg on, you know, at the time. Yeah, now every, everything three, four legs. guns. Yeah, All of them. You know. Um, Ash, how much freedom does a VFX artist have to determine the overall look and feel of what you're designing for the weapon? Is it basically go? Look. <laughs> you'd, you'd, you would be surprised like how much freedom we have. I mean, we do have a like design uh, art Bible that, uh, that we do follow concept art, but uh, there are times we can look at it and go, all right, I get the idea. Let me just put that over here. I'm just going to make something fun. And uh, so we do follow those type of rules, but I would say, 95% freedom of just making something that looks cool and just fun to play. What a what a sort of work edict. Hey, don't stop until this is cool and fun. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. okay, yeah, I guess I'll keep going. Yeah. <laughs> um, do do you also are you also involved in the design of the effect that the weapon has on the enemy? No, I wouldn't say not really cuz by the time it gets to us, the the effects already been uh like cemented in, in, in design. It's like this, this gun does cryo damage. So by that time, okay. All right. Well, so you're almost the bridge between the finished design of the weapon and the finished design of the enemy and whether they catch on fire, yeah. get corroded or not. You, you've got to make those two things fit together. Yeah. That's interesting. I think that's super important. Like connective tissue. Cause you know, we spend a lot of time looking at guns in prototype before they have animation, before they have art. And you're just holding this little box, essentially, mm -hmm. that just goes pew-pew, and then you see something, it's standing, and then it's, like, right. flopped over. 
Um, but at its bones, it's doing exactly what it will do in the shipping game. But it's that concert of everything in between, mm -hmm. um, from the trigger pull to the audio to the muzzle flash to the tracer to the impact effects to you know the it shocks or sets on fire and the enemy running around and then ragdolling and flopping on the ground like. It's interesting to think at its core, it was working years ago and then I mean, just alive dead. Like that's all it is. Um, but the, that host of, of effort and, and visual presentation that goes into making it fun and visceral for the player. Yeah. It's, it's what we spend our time doing. It's so exciting to see that stuff come to life too, because yeah, like you said, we're shooting boxes like mm -hmm. most of the time. And then, um, you know, seeing the effects onto it, it's just, mm -hmm. it brings it so alive. So you've lived Huge with it that, in yeah. this sort of dull version oh, for yeah. a year, two dull. years, three years? Yeah. I wouldn't say dull, Not dull but no, duller. I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, Very yeah, muted, for sure. Muted version. Definitely, like, it It shows you how muted it's been once you see the effects on there, once you see it in the actual game, and you're like, oh. Mm -hmm. Like, I did not even realize the potential, and I thought we capped on our potential, and then we see it done. And so even after being in this for a while, you're not, you're still being surprised by the end result. Like, what Absolutely. you're imagining is here, and... Yeah. What we do is up yeah. there. Like it's it's wild the things we shoot for and the things that we actually accomplish. Like everyone together cuz everyone's so focused on their own like part of the process. Mm -hmm. And then once it's done, we realize like oh, we're a team. Like we all did this together and if we literally had one person less, like we couldn't do this. Right. Mm -hmm. You know. That's yeah, awesome. it's a really good feeling when you're playing the game and all of a sudden it feels like a game. You go, "Oh my god." We have a game on our hands. You've gone from a tech demo to yeah. A, yeah. a toy, basically. Like, or 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 it sounds like a lot of what you do is playing with toys. So you've gone from like a tech demo to a toy to like an actual functional yeah. game. Yeah, it's like it just clicks. And go. Um, we've talked a bit about the manufacturers in the Borderlands universe. Uh, I, I think a unique aspect of Borderlands is the weapons have a reason for existing that our manufacturers want to sell them to you. Um, that they also have a a story tie-in um, that I again. I don't. I haven't seen expressed in this way in 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 other games. Um, is story driving the weapons aspect, the gameplay mechanic of weapons, or is gameplay informing the story, or is it a big circular thing that just keeps going? I, I think it's been both. Um, you know, for BL two, um, Hyperion and, and Handsome Jack were a big, obviously a big part of the narrative. Um, which then, you know, bled into the kind of the environment art and the world building. All right, cool. We have Hyperion structures. And then we turn the art knob. All right, what do those look like? What's the design language? And then the guns kind of, you know, get distilled from that. Like, what are the themes? Like, how does this feel like it uh, kind of completes the universe? Is Hyperion, they make guns, they make buildings, they make, you know, they're a corporation. Right. And even if we don't show it all, um, usually in the headcanon, we're thinking about what, what an entire Hyperion universe would look like, even if we only need, like, three, you know, architectural pieces and a set of guns. Do you ever think about, like, what if Hyperion made an electric toothbrush? What would that look I like? I mean, you, you joke, but, like, sometimes <laughs> we get that in the weeds. Um, it's really important for us to, like, flesh out the, you know, at least in our minds, flesh out the universe, and it helps us design better, you know? I, I think there's something that, that sort of the public is probably pretty well aware of because of things like art books that are that are very popular, but is it safe to say there is a treasure trove of material that will just never be out there. Like how how you got to this one design is a stack of ideas and designs and documents and nonsense that no one will ever see. Yeah, we have to be kind of careful with it. That's time and time is money, right? Like we, right. we gotta we gotta keep moving. We try not to be wasteful if we can help it. But uh, yes, there is many many lost ideas uh, sitting on hard drives and, <laughs> and pinned to boards and scribbled on whiteboards uh, throughout. <laughs> um, we've talked about how the manufacturers give the player a visual shorthand. Um, how actively are you thinking about that during the whole design process? It's the first pillar. It was like number one. Um, going from BL2 to BL3, um, when we kind of, I mentioned, we kind of reset the approach um, to be a little more selfish for art, a little more art centric. Um, it was 100% in service of that because even running some tests internally, I took some BL2 weapons, kind of grayed them out, removed any, you know, like decals or stickers. I'm like, what, what manufactures this gun? And people that work on the game couldn't tell me sometimes uh -oh. like which uh, manufacturer it was. Um, so that kind of became the groundwork as we set off on BL3 to, to, really dig into the, the visual design. And like, I want people from a hundred yards to see the silhouette, to see whatever it is per these eight manufacturers. And trust me, it's difficult to come up with eight things that are that distinct uh, right. sometimes. 
Um, but to get that that snap read down, so the player knows when it's on the ground looking at it, they know what they're picking up. Is is one of those things to differentiate the fact that, I mean, not every manufacturer makes every type of gun. Um, mm -hmm. Every manufacturer has their specialty, obviously designed to have the player have favorites. Mm -hmm. um, do you do you have favorites to design? Um, I, I'm torn a little bit. For BL3, um, I actually really liked Hyperion. I was more of a defensive uh, defensive player, so that frontal shield was kind of novel um, for me. Um, plus, I did a lot of work on Hyperion guns, so it was kind of hand in hand. Like I like them artistically, but also functionally. Um, they kind of lent to my play style a little bit. Ash, do the guns you design or the, or the effects you work on the most, do they end up being the ones you want to play the most? Uh, yes and no, because after a while I get tired of seeing them. Right. <laughs> I'm just like I don't. You spent too much time with like, it. Yeah. I know too much. Yeah. yeah I've um, seen too much. But the, I guess the ones that uh, that I really really liked, uh, then I would tend to actually just say during during development, I'm like, I, I want to work on that gun. Like, yeah. Give me that one. <laughs> Do you have anything similar with 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 uh, art where it's like, I I made that the coolest looking gun I could. Does it make you want to play it, or does it make you want to? It does specifically um, the barrel that I made for uh, Wonderlands, the shotgun barrel. That one I actually want to play it because I'm actually like, there are very few pieces you make that you want to look at. <laughs> I don't know if that <laughs> I don't know if that resonates That's with anyone, true. but like yeah. sometimes you look at something you made and you're like, like I'm proud of it. I'm proud of this game. I'm proud of everything we've done. But like, yeah, I've been looking at it for too long right. and it I can see all the little imperfections even if everyone else can't. So yeah, the shotgun barrel was the one that I was like, okay, I actually like how this came out. I could stand to look at it a bit more and, and use it in the context it was meant to be used because I don't get to do that much, you know, in the full setting um, until and, the game comes out. And if design delivers and it ends up being fun, that's even, you know, that's yeah. even better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, who is your favorite manufacturer to work on and is that your favorite to play? Um, I would say TDR. I really like TDR. Just, and I'm, I'm simple. Like, I like that I throw it. Like, yeah. <laughs> I just like to throw things. A and because honestly, yeah. like any game I play, I like a game that, uh, or I like a, a gun that I don't have to reload technically. Like some different, like the L-Star in, um, what's it called? Uh, Titanfall, um, Titanfall 2. It was like, you shoot it and then it kind of recharges on its own as long as you leave it alone. And yeah, TD or you just like shoot it and then you throw it and you're good again. You know, right. <laughs> you don't have to do that animation, even if it takes the same amount of time. Do you, you know? feel the same about like Iridian weapons where they're recharging, but it's not that fun, toss it and forget it? Yeah, yeah, uh, it's the same thing. Like I'm a sucker for um, interesting reloads, like yeah. one that's not like, you know, it's manually funny how doing it. presentation can have that effect you're talking about, even if like down to the milliseconds, the exact same amount of time out of gunplay. Uh huh. Just the presentation change can, can make the whole thing feel different. Do you, who's your favorite to work on and play? Um, oh man, it's tough. Like Vladoff is a lot of fun to play, just the bullet hell stuff. Um, probably that's my favorite overall to play. Kind of simple, uh, just bullets first. Um, artistically, <laughs> Maliwan is a lot of fun. Um, it leans back into, um, more of the industrial design kind mm -hmm. of uh, roots that I was interested in, automotive design. Um, they're very, very pretty and very technical. There's a little ones. Johnny Ive in Malawan, I think. I don't know if I get the rest. There's the reference. There's a oh uh, Apple's designer. Oh yeah, um, okay. for for you know twenty years or whatever. There's a cleanliness. There's a yeah. uh, a, a high techness. You know. Yeah. Funny enough, we we referenced a lot of that history in the the TDR uh, Redux for BL3 because. You know, we, we have this balance of like, all right, we've had, we have the game, like BL1 is an example, right? What manufacturer survived for BL2? Not like literally, but like, which ones are we bringing? Right. Which right. ones are we bringing in? Which ones are we going to make new? Um, and then usually we decide like to what degree they're going to get a facelift. Like how much are we changing the core design? How is that tied into the world and the narrative? Is there a reason for them to change drastically? Or are we just kind of doing more of the same? Because we can't give every manufacturer that level of, of you know, priority one. Um, attention. It's, it takes too much work to to make one from scratch, to to get everything off the ground, to build it, you know, all the way up. Um, so sometimes we pick manufacturers and we're just like, all right, cool. They're going to be in this game. It's going to be just kind of more of the same. It's all new assets. It's all new like designs. But we don't we don't spin our wheels on the the, the right. super iterative like. Oh, this has to be like. Well, if it's new not broke, and, don't fix it. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. yeah. And and you know, 
having got to the third one, you know, some manufacturers didn't get the same upgrade they did in BL2. We're like, cool, they got their facelift last time, so we're going to kind of put them to the side. And I think we did it. It was almost half and half, or we brought in three new manufacturers and retired three of them to bring in, um, you know, bring in some new design ideas and some some fresh visual blood. Uh, Ash, I would imagine with, uh, you know, you've got uh, uh, torque guns with, 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 you know, the explosions, you've got other weapons that are more primarily uh, shock-based or, or, or fire, or whatever. Does that give you that sense of, I, I, this manufacturer gives me the most um, space to be creative versus one that might just be, you know, bullet-based? Um, yeah, I would say so. It's uh, like... At least, at least for 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 myself, I I enjoyed working on like the TD or uh, Mali One guns because they're very sci-fi based, and we get to uh, we get a lot of this creative uh, get to cr like really flex our creative muscles when, sure. when we're you know creating stuff for that. Um, but uh, yeah, I'll say like playing wise, like I always leaned into like the Jacobs guns because I just love the way they feel. There, there is a. Um fish out of water aspect, I think, to Jacob's guns. We're in a very sci-fi world with a very uh, old Westy style weapon right. that, that it tells you, again, it's that visual shorthand. It tells you there's something different here. And it and if you know what to expect, it tells you instantly what to expect. So uh, Asia, I'm gonna put you on the spot slightly. Tell me about Lisa Frank, Black Sabbath, and Nickelodeon. All right. <laughs> I said that confidence. No, nope, um, I'm just It's kidding. all coming out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, so when we were working on skins for Borderlands 3, um, we had to think of a lot of themes and uh, quickly. So <laughs> um, I just thought of things that I liked. Like at, at a certain point after I was just like trying to make nice uh, color combinations, right? I was like, okay, I'm out of ideas. So let me think about color combinations I like in real life. Okay, like Lisa Frank. I love those colors. I love like bright um, pink, pink blue, purple. Yeah. yeah, like I love the girly stuff. So I tried to add some of that to the game because, you know, <laughs> we like that stuff. Um, Lisa Frank, Nickelodeon was one. It was like a, I kind of wanted the skin to look like a squirt gun kind of. Um, Nickelodeon theme, like the green and the Super for the slime. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. And then Black Sabbath. I was just listening to a lot of Black Sabbath at the time and I was As listening to the Paranoid album. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, okay, uh, let me do the colors on this the front of this album because they're cool colors and made one like that. It's obviously not, um, you probably have to find it. You know, it's yeah. probably not obvious which one it is, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting because it's like, I think, and again, I feel like this episode, you guys in particular, among a lot of these, are almost an education to people who don't know that these kinds of careers exist or that these particular lanes exist within these careers. Um, if your job is to come up, I don't know, 100 designs, come up with, hey, I need, I need 90 of these by you know, a month from now, however many it is, that can become, it's, I don't want to say tedious, just difficult. 100%, yeah. You know, only your first, you know, say you have 50 skins to do, like by number 10, you've kind of used the good ones. <laughs> and so like, like Asia mm -hmm. said, you start like, like spitballing for, yeah. for just, uh, what's my dog even, look like? Even like uh, something as simple as going to like a color, a color palette generator and you just yeah. like randomize color palettes. You're like, okay, there's one. And then you're throwing, you're, you're just going for it by the end of it, you know, traffic cones and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like whatever. It's uh, wild what inspires you when you're looking for ideas. Because <laughs> that's one of those cases, the the global customizations is an example on BL3 where design just said, hey, uh, we think we need, let's just say 30 of these. And we're like, cool. Um, we only really have time to dig in on like 10 of them. And then the other 20, we're just going to have to riff and, and figure something out. Um, so yeah, we, we got, you know, some premium ones and then some, all right, these are still kind of cool. And then like, all right, they're not our favorites, but you know, somebody out there will like it. Yeah. I got this rule of thirds that I generally use. Like I want to love a third of it. I want to be indifferent about a third of it. And then I want to hate a third of it. <laughs> um, because everybody's got different tastes as long as it's executed technically correct. Yep. 
Um, I want that gradient of my own taste within the art that we make so that it's, you know, a little a, bit a more A few widespread. other gearboxers have touched on that on this show, which is uh, love and hate are both uh, visceral reactions and they're both acceptable. Mm -hmm. uh, as, as long as it's not just hate. Yeah. As, as, lo as long as it's got something to love. Yep. As, uh, as long as it's executed technically correct, yeah. um, it follows the rules. I don't have to personally love it. So. <laughs> yeah. um, finishing up on our manufacturers, as our CEO's personalities become more tightly integrated in the game's story throughout the franchise, uh, when does that start to affect weapon design? Or does it? I would, I would say not much, to be, to be um, candid with you. Um, there's a lot of times, like on BL2, using Hyperion as an example, obviously there was that influence from Jack and the world building, and then, you know, once removed, then it was the world building to the gun aesthetics, and then there was never really a direct tie-in from anything that had to do with him or his personality, and then, yeah, we're going to put, you know, shields on him or whatever. Well, um, what about in, uh, like, in Eden 6, uh, when you're finally seeing, um, in my mind, uh, that, that Jacobs comes from space Louisiana? <laughs> uh, I think some people might think it's space Florida. I think it's space Louisiana. Yeah. Um, I feel like that is maybe it's the opposite of what I'm talking about. You're taking the gun and extrapolating that to the world building. That's kind of where I was headed. Um, so BL3, it was quite, it was the opposite. Like you're talking about Jacobs was so well established by then we started making world themes around the guns. Um, cause they just hadn't existed yet. So kind of the Bayou, the Jacobs family, the, that mansion feel was, was kind of inspired by the guns themselves. Um, uh, Maliwan was another big one. Like the guns were already pretty well. Speaking of this one in front yep. of us, um, pretty the guns were the design was pretty well established. The the you know they've been around, but the upgrade that we did visually for them on Bo3, and then um, we noticed that as production went on, we started to see those influences in the world design and the enemy design and like the spaceships and the huge donut, you know the donut dropship. Like a lot of those themes were gun first like driven. So it really it, every. Every bit of intent, every bit of um, world building done in any aspect of the game eventually feeds back into the other aspects of the game. Yeah, uh, it's deal first, right? Like if there's already a good idea on the table, like why not borrow from it? Um, so whether that's us borrowing from the world or, or the world borrowing from the guns, like why not? Um, you know, all of our guns are wielded by vault hunters. Do vault hunter uh, designs impact weapon design? Do you ever have to think about the largest vault hunter, the tallest vault hunter must be able to wield this, as must the shortest, as must whoever? Um, it, a, a little bit. Um, we don't take that into account with visual or design, really, but technically um, on the back end, I believe on, on BL3, we did some, some scaling. So if you, you know, if our largest vault hunter were holding the same gun that our smallest one was, you would see that they're not physically... Um, the same oh. size. Uh, so we do we do so some cheated. global scaling. We absolutely cheat it all the time huh. and as much as possible. That's but that's usually how we get around it because it's a no-go that a certain vault hunter can can or cannot use certain weapons. It has to be global. So there was, the reason I asked that is because our producer, April Johnson, was telling me uh, for another episode that in BL3, every door must be able to accommodate Iron Bear and every room must be able to accommodate four players with Iron Bear. We jokingly, near the end of production, we were calling it Dorderlands. Um, <laughs> there was there was no shit, like 85 doors uh, that had to be built for, for, for BL3. Um, for but with weapons, reason. that's not as much of a concern. No, though. no, we, we couldn't accommodate that sort of, uh, uh, you know, we, we got to work systematically. So the scaling was our option. <laughs> How do other aspects of gameplay, like skill trees, affect uh, both weapon design and weapon usage in the Borderlands universe? Great question. Probably a little bit out of my depth. Um, we spend a little more of our time with the visuals and supporting like the manufacturer gimmicks and themes. Um, but that said, the skill trees absolutely tie in like fire rate, reload speed, uh, amplification of certain elements. Um, there's a, a synergy there between the skill trees and the guns, but that's a little more out of my um, day to day. Well, let me, let me see if I can bring it back in then. Um, mm -hmm. With... Build outs in particular, um, players are able to pair uh, a vault hunter and their skill tree with uh, a particular weapon that amplifies both. Mm -hmm. Are you involved in that process at all where it's like, no, this, this uh, for instance, um, Moses' uh, bottomless mag skill with a Vladoff weapon uh, can end up with a super high rate uh, 
fire that never runs out of ammo, yep. conceivably. Is that part of the design process or is it a happy surprise afterwards? Um, I would say happy surprise. You know, we talk about like design first or art first and, and where those paths cross. Um, a lot of times it's, it's, you know, we made the art, the gun has a base function, it's already going, and then design says, okay, cool, now that we have this palette, I have this kind of uh, buffet to pick from, how can I take that and elevate it? And that's usually, that does tie into like legendary weapons and, and that kind of mentality. Those usually come on later in the project once the core is in, um, and then they see the base functionality and they're, all right, cool, we got our base functionality, how can we take that up a notch? Um, so that's where a lot of legendary weapon designs come from. They're inspired by the base uh, manufacturer, but then they're, you know, crank to 11. Right. I think it's similar um, as the player skill trees are, are, are zoning in and everything's starting to kind of synergize. They'll be like, all right, cool, take that knob. This is already kind of almost there and just crank it. Do you ever feel like, and again, this, this is not exactly your purview, but do you feel like we're hiding secrets in the game for people to find that way? Like, man, if you pair this Vault Hunter with that weapon and you're in for a show... I would hope so. It's it's fun when you find them. You know, some of it is purposeful. Like the designers I, I've worked with, they'll be like, yeah, I'm totally going to hide this synergy here at the bottom of this tree. Right. It won't be super obvious. And then in the way that we work like modularly, sometimes, and I've told I've told Asia this too, like sometimes you just have to hand it over to the RNG gods, right? Like mm -hmm. we're, we're building a, a bucket of stuff and sometimes it is just whatever happens, happens. We try to mitigate as much risk as possible, but a lot of it is whatever happens, happens. So yeah. if we try to get too in the weeds, then we'll just be spending forever. Yeah, you can't you can't curate sixty four billion things. Uh, turns out, yeah, so you can if you don't try. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah. There are there are some times though with uh, some of the skill trees where some of the effects will actually get updated and changed depending on you know where you go. Does someone come to you and say, "I need this, but more"? Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, this is a new skill tree. Change the color to blue. I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> blue is a more murderous color than, than whatever the previous color was. Um, we've talked a bit about the evolution of guns from Borderlands 1 to 3. Uh, and you had mentioned, Jimmy, that uh, Borderlands 2 had 250 weapon parts. Uh, Borderlands 3, 1,500 to 1,700. Is that accurate? It was 1,250. 1,250? Yeah, right in there, yeah. And then with uh, Borderlands 3, also the parts work modularly, additively, um, there were other things added though. In Borderlands 2, we added laser weapons. Mm -hmm. um, what are some of the hallmark additions that you think that really amped up from, from BL1 to 3 that, that made it a more cohesive yeah. weapon experience? Um, like you mentioned, the E-Tech, uh, the, the laser kind of barrel ads for BL2 were big. They were a nice loot hunt um, at the end, you know, kind of that came on at the end of that project, just something to, to spice the system. Um, you know, moving to BL3, we really, uh, like you mentioned, we kind of changed how the system works. And, and so the manufacturer gimmicks really got played up. Um, and then under barrel and mode switching was a huge, uh, aspect of the BL3 weapon upgrade. Um, you know, not all manufacturers can do it, but, but some manufacturers have the ability, like you actually input and the whole gun will change function and have like dual functionality. So that was a big design pillar for us, um, for BL3. And then kind of like with the laser or the E-Tech weapons from BL2, we, they're really disgusting. The alien barrels from BL3, yeah. the big, juicy, drippy. They're Xenomorph-esque. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We were, by that time, we were just designed out. Like, what are we going to do? Like, I don't know. <laughs> um, you know, space rocks and alien <laughs> intestines and eyeballs. Like, let's just go for it. Um, so, yeah. Uh, every And that, that plays in. Like, every game is kind of built on the one before it. So BL2 established the core. BL2 is like, cool, let's take that for a run around the block and then add something. And then BL3 took what BL2 did and like, all right, cool, let's run around the block and then add something. Now, you were on 2 and 3. You were on the end of 3 and Wonderlands, mm -hmm. correct? Yeah. And where did you come into the franchise? Uh, actually, I, I came in right before 3. So with that perspective, uh, there obviously huge shift in uh, hardware generations between 2 and 3. I'm interested to know how that affected each of your uh, roles because uh, obviously there's going to be more possible um, but then there's also going to be um, it's that freedom we've talked about that's like oh we're not fighting for every kilobyte of RAM am I do I have too much you know too many possibilities now yeah <laughs> I well I came in actually at the kind of beginning middle of Borderlands 3 I was okay. like an environment artist before I was on weapons but yeah I was actually like a junior back then and I was still learning about you know, hardware and the <laughs> possibilities. So all I can remember is like really how we incorporate PBR texturing with um, our style because that was a big thing. I think before we just used like diffuse maps like mm -hmm. Albedo and that's it. 
Um, and like maybe roughness and metalness. I don't know. Mm. No? no, it was <laughs> just diffuse and, <laughs> and normal. Maybe if it was important, that's wild. That's yeah. all we did for BL2. Yeah. So that was a challenge uh, for me to like know how to get that style with uh, PBR. And I think that was new for the studio as yeah. well. We so. spent a good chunk of BL3 production learning how to balance PBR, like the physically based rendering that came with the technology and make sure we didn't lose the style, but it felt upgraded. It felt higher fidelity. A good chunk something, of BL3 was that. To equate that to like the average player, is that something like pre and post ray tracing, like that kind of that's shift? A, that's a good analysis, yeah. yeah. Um, it was it was pre-post ray tracing for us. It's a whole new lighting model. Um, you know, the, everything is different. There, As a player, going from two to three, there is a shocking fidelity change uh, and especially with the weapons because it's the thing closest to your face yeah and so you it's really right up in your in your you know yeah screen. that was all wrapped up with the engine swap to, to ue4 um you know the the game as a whole making that move unlocked that renderer for us so we had we had access to the pbr model you know along with that the platforms were stronger so we were pushing more verts we were pushing higher uh, fidelity textures um so that 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 jump from bl2 to bl3 uh, is really it's noticeable because yeah. quite a lot changed between those two. Did you find with VFX that you were able to play with toys you couldn't play with before? Or have I, I would think of it as something as like, you know, obviously there's gonna be more particles on screen. There's gonna be um, more possibilities uh, VFX wise, but is that correct? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, the, the, the material editor for us expanded and, and opened up and we were able to do a lot more that way as well with them. Uh, the the overall systems stayed similar, so there wasn't too much learning. A, a lot of it was just material wise that uh, you know that we had to relearn. Um, we've touched on this a bit, but I just want to sort of get down to it. Is is there a pressure to top the previous guns game, previous games guns, not just in number because we've talked about that, but in overall. Um, you know the way the the look, the feel, the the excitement, the fun. Do, do you feel like that is a a constant monkey on your back saying go go go? I think a little bit. Um, for me personally, um, though, it's it's like a personal challenge. Um, a lot of it is on the day to day. Uh, you know, the team rallies around the idea that all right, cool. Like, how are we going to challenge ourselves? Because we're with this every day for two, three, four years. Mm -hmm. We're looking at this stuff. Um, and you know, we've, we made the game before, you know, the BL2, we made that. So it's not a very exciting prospect to just kind of rehash or right. to not really go for it. Um, so a lot of that inspiration and the pushing of the boundaries comes from us just making sure that we're not bored, um, to be candid with you. Um, a lot of it's self-inflicted. <laughs> this is not, uh, this is not a discipline that occurs in like a gray, sad cubicles. This is a, no. this is an enthusiastic, um, crowd. Yeah. A lot of, you know, a lot of noise and yelling, possible, you know, HR violations. <laughs> um, no, there aren't. Sometimes you gotta... You gotta get gotta a little get wild. Crazy. Yeah. Is there a, is there a push and pull between carrying forward what fans appreciated about a previous game while innovating on a new game? Yeah. 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 We're, I mean, we're always striving to make sure we're faithful to to what players love, but a lot of, admittedly, a lot of it's just guessing. Like, all right, cool. We saw a forum post where this was really, you know, this was really popular among these twenty people. So maybe that's something. There's some on kid too. on Reddit that yeah. doesn't know his post, like influenced. Yeah, kept, the kept game. a whole manufacturer alive. You know, right. we were gonna kill it, and then there was this one Reddit thread. But that kid loves it, so yeah. we got to do it. For we got to do it again. Yeah. <laughs> um, does it help that our story supports weapon changes because these manufacturers have living stories. They want to innovate, they want to beat each other, they want to sell you more stuff. Does that mm -hmm. help at all? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it just drives the whole, like you said, drives the whole narrative. It kind of supports our, our, uh, uh, you know, our desire to make the next craziest thing, you know, and it makes it better when the narrative can back it up. We talked a bit about uh, how you do legendary guns and how you push each element to where it's just bigger than it was before. Does anybody here know how we got the Bane? The Bane. Oh. The Bane is the weapon that screams oh at God. you every time you fire it. Voiced by Ashley Birch, Tiny Tina. I'll, I'll tell you this. Um, you know, even internally, right around that phase, we open up kind of to the company internally. We're like, hey, who's got cool ideas for legendary guns? <laughs> and we're thinking like, you know, Merv explosions or heat seeking. 
uh, missiles mm-hmm. or whatever, the, the t- number one requested gun is always, I, oh, we wanted to talk. We wanted to like say something. Like, mm-hmm. okay, that's it? So that was kind of a, a big middle finger. Like, all right, cool. <laughs> you want a gun that talks, you're going to get one. Um, it is intolerable. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like for more than a second or two. If yeah. you laugh, you'll laugh the first time. You won't laugh the 50th time. Yeah. And then even uh, BL3, the, the TDRs have the little speak and spell voice. Yes. They'll like kind of talk to you and like scream. I, oh, I, I <laughs> like, love oh, those guns. Oh, why would you do this? Yeah. Which I, I love those guns. <laughs> I don't think I'm speaking out of turn to say that's an actual speak and spell. Mm-hmm making those sounds. Yeah, shout out to the audio department if Petty's so still around here. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I always, Our Foley I still, department is amazing. Dude, I, I still laugh when you reload the TDR gun and it goes, yeet. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they, they uh, you know, they showed us, they cracked a speaking spell open and like rewired it to get like this distorted, like demon uh, voice coming out of it. Um, yeah, you they have can, a lot of fun. Uh, what do they call it? Circuit bending. You can yeah. circuit bend a speak and spell to be evil. It's the one time I kind of regretted not having a different career path. I was like, <laughs> I should have, I should have gone audio. I messed up. Oh, I thought you meant the speak and spell industry. Oh no, 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 just audio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, um, maybe. How do you feel? Each of you, uh, Asia, starting with you, have put your personal stamp on either a particular Borderlands game or the franchise as a whole. Um, I guess personal stamp would be, I, I felt like I had the most influence on Wonderlands because I was kind of um, one-manning that at a certain point. Like, I think Jimmy kind of got it going and gave me the foundation. Like, that's what he does. He just builds the systems. He just, you know, and then I kind of took it and ran with it and um, kind of was able to lead the efforts on that. Um, there's one gun in the <laughs> There's one gun in the game called uh, Hawkins Wrath. I wanted to bring that up because there was one singular Reddit post about it and um, about how they didn't know where the name for that uh, gun came from. So that was my name, and I came up with that name, but then Jimmy came up with the tagline for it, mm-hmm. um, which was a reference to a disturbed song, <laughs> um, which was like a sorry, which was like an inside joke um, because. We used to like listen to a lot of new metal and like corny new metal, you know, just while we were working on Borderlands 3 stuff. And um, so he just put the like, like that (laughs) in the tagline. So that's what that's from. (laughs) And I guess that's like our personal stamp. You know, it's kind of cool to be able to insert Easter eggs, like what you were saying about the zap thing. Like you just kind of add your own personal yeah, there's a lot of it. Does that count for you too, as well as the ooh? Yeah, is uh, yeah there's a few guns in there <laughs> with the red text and the names that are, are references. There's an amazing amount of just inside jokes uh, in a lot of that stuff because, you know, there's so many of them. You're like you said, you're kind of pulling, you're pulling from from the bottom of the bucket sometimes. So we just we lean on the the inside jokes a lot. Um, but yeah, yeah, there's some fun stuff for me. Uh, I think the, the it's the technical aspect, the the system building, the pipeline uh, is probably the single most i'd say important thing that i kind of worked on I, so I it's love that's under the hood that's it's, something that nobody's gonna go there's jimmy well it's the it's the the thing you felt from bl2 to bl3 like right. the fidelity looks better everything looks crisper that's all nicer. you well the at the core of the system <laughs> you know i didn't write the renderer but uh but i sure as hell leaned into it yeah um but yeah figuring out those systems and keeping this whole you know circus Mobile moving right. along um, and making sure that we ship and making sure that we're doing something fun and new. That's interesting. Um, whereas you might say, uh, I designed that gun. The reason it's purple is because I like purple. Um, to, I think there is something else to be said as we're talking about the careers in, in game dev for I built the system that made it possible to make that gun purple. Well, and shout out to programming and everybody yeah, else yeah. involved for sure. But yeah, kind of from from the artistic lane, um, you know, a lot of that design was was me and and uh, our concept lead at the beginning of pre-pro for Borderlands Three. We laid it all out on paper. You know, as an artist, you're not thinking you're going to be drawing like bubble spreadsheets and flowcharts on how parts are going to work additively or ex- exclusively and how that transfers to manufacturers. But we did the spider web, like the yarn, the Charlie, right. the Charlie yarn, the murder mystery kind of thing <laughs> and we figured it all out and and that was some really fun development for me figuring out those systems and then executing on them ash how about you where did you put your your personal uh stamp on the franchise um i would say during bl3 uh, i did all the effects for zane and that was the first time i actually got to work with vault hunter and create something from scratch because you know as you mentioned earlier a lot of the times in the design it's just hey here's a thing this is what it does 
make it, it make that. it look cool. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I will say specifically with DigiZane because it was just he he clones himself. And what's it look like? So I actually got to oh, come wow. up with that effect, you know, from from scratch and just say this is what it looks like. I think it's, it should be like this digital looking kind of holographic uh, idea. And because uh, design let me run with it. So that's a V effect that's not a weapon V effect. Like it's a uh, is 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 your department. Um, how often does that crossover happen? Where you've been working on explosions for some amount of time, and then someone says. I need you to actually come up with the look and feel of this entire like Vault Hunter action. All the time, and it happens all the time. So the, the it's it's more cohesive than yeah. than you're doing this, you're doing this, you're doing this. Oh yes, yeah. and it's uh, I mean even with, uh, with Vault Hunter specifically, is we'll have we'll have an effect uh, or we'll get that Vault Hunter and then like that's your baby. So you just throughout development you're working on that on that Vault Hunter. Um. This brings us to the trivia portion of our show. Oh, no. There's only two <laughs> questions, uh, but I'm going to pose it to all of you. You can buzz in or you can just scream. I don't care. The dove in Borderlands 1 is a reference to what action movie director? Oh, John Woo. John That's Woo, yeah. it. Yeah. One, one or ten points to Ash. <laughs> um, because uh, he often uses doves as a motif in his films. Slow motion doves. Slow motion doves, that's true, yeah. that's true. Yeah. Uh, in Borderlands 3, which weapons manufacturer also sold a breakfast cereal? Oh, Torg, Explodios. Explodios, yeah. yeah, Explodios. Yeah, uh, random props that you can find throughout the game. Mr. Torg's image is printed on the front of each box. I believe he's also in a comic strip on the back of the box. Mm -hmm. That also brings us to the last uh, segment of our show which is everyone does their best Marcus. Participation is mandatory. And you have to say, so you want to hear a podcast, eh? <laughs> All right. You look like Everyone's you don't want to go first. So you want to hear a podcast, huh? Perfect. <laughs> High go. five. That was great. You did it. Uh, that's the one to beat. Let's hear it. So you want to hear a podcast, eh? Mm -mm. Let's hear yours. <laughs> So you want to hear a podcast, eh? Ooh, you Bingo. Got the, you got the jowls in there. You got the you got the this voice. That's pretty good. It's between you two. I, I for think sure. Ash did a, a great you job. Think it's but I liked your yeah. energy and excitement. There My energy, right I brought yeah. the energy. A lot of enthusiasm on your side. I don't side. know. I think Ash's was more natural. Let's call it a draw. I have a deeper yeah. voice. This yeah. might be a, see, and <laughs> I, I don't want to give do you it. too much credit for that because <laughs> that's not that's an unfair advantage. It's okay. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Vault Hunters. If you like when gun go pew, 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 then guy fall down, subscribe to the audio version of Echoes from the Borderlands, wherever podcasts are available. But if you like it when gun go bang, bang, kaboom, then guy turn into giblet gravy, subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash gearboxofficial to see future episodes. And if you play video games and you'd like to get every current Borderlands game at one great price, go snag our new bundle, the Borderlands Collection Pandora's Box, available now on PlayStation, Xbox, and PC. Huge thanks to my guests, Asia Hawkins, Jimmy Barnett, and Nash Lyons, as well as our behind-the-scenes heroes, April Johnson, Dakota Warren, Matthew Ward, Rob Fernandez, and Hannah Terry. Our theme song is Get Out of My Head by Wandermine. For Echoes from the Borderlands, I'm Joel Watson. See you next time, Vault Hunters.